Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Greetings and salutations. A few weeks ago, I came up with a catchy slogan for the 2020 election that people seem to like. So here goes. Flush the turd on November 3rd. And now I've put this anti-Trump zinger on hats, mugs, and t-shirts now available for purchase at our brand new Zazzle store. We also have exclusive goth ninjas t-shirts. Perfect if you happen to like our Thursday shows. Go to bobseska.com and click the buy our crap link just under my face at the top of the page. You can't miss it. And we'll be adding new items all the damn time. Get your goth ninja t-shirts and flush the turd gear now while supplies last. Click the buy Buy our crap link just under my face at bobseska.com. Thank you in advance, and now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. And my guest today is presidential nominee and JFK lookalike, <laughs> Governor Jack Stanton. Hi, Izzy. Hi, Jack. Jack, when we were talking before, you were telling me that your mama liked Vegas. And and, and, and who was her favorite act there? Is it Wayne Newton? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, when your mother plays blackjack, where does she stand, Pat? Is it 16? Well, she is a bit of a gambler. Uh, but so sometimes she'll go up to 17. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, Governor, but uh, I'm told that we have Senator Harris on the phone. Uh, uh, hello. This is indeed an honor. Thank you. We were just talking with Governor Stanton about how his mother loves Las Vegas. I was wondering, Senator, does your mother have a favorite vacation spot? My mother's dead. Oh. We could not talk or talk forever and still find things to not talk about. The Bob Seska Show. Primary Colors and the great Rob Reiner. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, August 1, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com, the greatest soap in the world. Hi, what's up? What's happening? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. It's uh, day 924 of the Trump crisis, day 87 of the constitutional crisis, 460 days until the 2020 presidential election. Uh, Oh, you know what we need to do right now? This! Goth Ninjas are here today. It is our Thursday show, three-way Thursday with T-Rex, David Ferguson, patreon.com slash the T-Rex report. Also, Jody Hamilton from the From the Bunker podcast, from-the-bunker.com, also at sexyliberal.com on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hello. Hello, both of you. Hello. Hi. Yes. Greetings. Greetings. All right. So much. So much. Boston Gorka. We, we, we have, have so much to look forward to today. We have some uh, Sebastian Gorka prank calls just in time for uh, our Thursday show and the return of T-Rex. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear T-Rex's Gorka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've got that coming up here in the I show. I believe you've dialed a wrong number. There we go. Um, yeah, so I have some things to say about Marianne Williamson uh, regarding the Tuesday debate. I think a lot of people have some things to say about Marianne Williamson, yes. and uh, very few of them are good. Well, I'm thank not even God. sure where she came from. How on earth is she here? I don't I know. I mean, what? 
I don't she know. Did try to run Has for she ever Congress. held office? No, she tried to run for Congress a few years back and did not win. She's an like, she's an author. She's an anti-vaxxer. She's kind of anti-science. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She's she has no business being on the presidential debate stage whatsoever. Uh, but I, you know what? I want to come back Let to me her. Tell you what my take on her is because I was alive in the eighties and I remember when a lot of AIDS patients. Yeah. Started following Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson and not taking their medications, and they they're dead. Yeah, that's you one know, of the things of that thought, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, was you know sort of. I mean, he was kind of a new ager, but like his doctor was like, "Yeah, sure, you can pursue a natural course of treatment and die a natural death." Mm. Um, it just you know it's. It's disgraceful. And I, of course, yeah. you know, I think if, if she had like, you know, preached to a thousand Republican house, thousands of Republican housewives to not take their Paxil or whatever, they wouldn't even have her on the stage. Let, let's talk about last night's debate. Let's get into last night's debate. The, uh, the second of the two debates this week on CNN. Um, it was not good. The overall sense, I, I think Dana Goldberg on the Stephanie Miller show encapsulated it best today when she uh, compared it to uh, like a real housewives reunion show. And it wasn't, I don't think it was the fault necessarily. I mean, some of the candidates really screwed up last night, but ultimately the blame has to go to CNN and to a certain extent the DNC to agreeing to this continued format. There should be no reason why after that first set of debates on NBC News, uh, on MSNBC and so on, uh, last month where we had 20 people broken up into two groups of 10, there should be no reason why the second debate should also be of the same format where we still have 20 people probably 17 of which have no chance of becoming president i mean let's face it and and, you know uh, david frum had an interesting point last night that i think uh, he wasn't on the debate was he no 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 No, not at least not this (laughs) year i'm just uh yeah well i mean he had an interesting point last night which is that yeah we've got uh 16 17 uh candidates out there who are given national attention on these debate stages who have zero chance of becoming president, but yet at the same time are damaging the ones who do have a chance of being president. You know what I mean? And and what they're doing is they're injecting things into the conversation that will ultimately hurt the eventual right. nominee. And one right. of those people was Bill de Blasio, who was being a colossal a-hole last night. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. yeah. noticed de Blasio. He He's actually one of the reasons I turned it off. Yeah, what, uh, I mean, what, aside from being bored and being nauseated. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, was it because, were you bored and nauseated because of the debate, or were you going in that way? Well, no, I was taking, an, I'm taking antibiotics, but. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> the debate wasn't helping. That can I help. just, I was just like, he just, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was so just like self-laudatory. I mean, part of the problem was, is that he started this bit where he starts uh, attacking Barack Obama, for God's sake. Maybe the most popular male politician in the world right now um certainly immensely popular among democrats for god's sake and we're talking about a democratic primary and barack obama among democrats according to the latest polling has a 97 percent favorability rating which means by all means let's attack barack obama with his 97 percent and then all the other candidates have to uh, scramble to join in to a certain extent or make excuses and then they're uh, insulting the uh, Affordable Care Act. Like, well, what are you people doing? My God, you got a, a, a popular piece of legislation now. The Affordable Care Act is does enjoy a majority uh, approval rating and at the same time, Barack Obama, as I said, immensely popular, but yet we've got to turn him into the villain for some reason. And uh, maybe you guys can, I mean, Jody, why the hell do you think these people would actually think this is a good idea? I mean, who's advising them to attack Barack Obama? I I, I don't know. And I, I, I agree with you. I think that's just dumb. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party likes Barack Obama. Do not attack the guy, especially with the MF or who's in the White House now. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's like de, de Blasio calling himself a better Democrat than, than Barack Obama is like Steve Buscemi insisting he's sexier than Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just ste- take a step back, buddy. <laughs> right. You I mean, know, again, I it's just a, over- a perfect example of a guy who's got zero chance of being president. And mm-hmm. uh, to me, for the good of the party, I think most of these people need to step down before the next debate. When's the next debate? I think they're doing one. Uh, it's September, I believe. And so far, only seven people have qualified. Thank fucking God. 
I mean, so, that's and it's, yeah, it's, seriously. It's, yes, and it's it's the people you would think. It's Cory Booker. It's Kamala Harris. It's Bernie Sanders. It's Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Pete, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg and, yeah. Be- and Beto and Beto O'Rourke yeah. and I forget the other person. Well, here's oh, what Julian yeah. maybe I'm not sure. Speaking of Julian and speaking of uh, of Pete Buttigieg, the the thing that I'm most impressed with them about is they seem to be uh, two of the uh, the small group of Democrats on the Democratic stage right now who can actually do a really sharp job of articulating not just policy points, but also ways to frame the policy that that's Mm -hmm. interesting and that's dynamic and that is actually compelling to people, you know, watching TV, watching uh, democratic political debates and so on. I think they are doing a really nice job. And I think some of the other candidates need to pick up on that. I'm not necessarily talking about the other front runners because I think they're all solid in their own way. Certainly Elizabeth Warren is really good at talking about policy. Um, we're going to talk about oh, Joe. She was good on Tuesday. I want to talk about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you want to talk about uh, Elizabeth Warren on Tuesday? Yeah. What did you think? Oh, just, yeah. what's his name? It's Delaney. That was being just like the colossal dick. The <laughs> yeah. Punchbowl. Yeah. John yeah. Delaney. Yeah. Um, you know, he kept saying, there's no way you can pay for this. And she's like, this is how we're going to pay for this. And he was like, there's no way you can pay for it. And she's like, I just told you. I just told this you. This is how we're going to pay for it. Idiot. Like, I mean, ugh, who yeah. let him in? I just, like. <laughs> I mean, it's just it. It's just it. I mean, I, I. I mean, he really talked a lot for someone who has, like, z- like I mean, what is he, like, not, you know, 0.09% in the polls? Right, right. And the same with Andrew Yang and, and all the rest of them. It's just, again, it's time to, in the nicest possible way, to thin the herd down. Start shooting them? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I mean, you know, last night I felt like, well, just about everyone was just, they were off and I don't know if it was the format, but I just got the sense that there were very few Democrats on that, uh, on that debate stage last night who actually were felt sharp and confident and, and centered. And sh- I, I just, I was hearing a lot of people stumbling over their words and trying desperately to articulate something and kind of fumbling it, um, which actually leads us to a conversation I think that needs to be had about Joe Biden. And I want to tread very carefully here because Joe Biden is the oldest of all the candidates right now. Well, how old is he, Jody? Uh Is he, what, like 76, 78? Yeah, he and Bernie are not far in. It's within five years of each other, I think. Gotcha. Those two are the oldest, and then I think Elizabeth Warren is the third oldest, and then everybody else is kind of in their 40s. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, part of the problem is, um, and I discovered this last night, the first time I'd ever heard this news was last night. And as I was saying before the show to you guys, uh, I've been following Joe Biden since I was in high school. I mean, literally more than 30 Mm -hmm. years I've been aware of Mm -hmm. Joe Biden and his... You know his uh, his record on the, in, in the Senate and so on, but I never knew until just last night that Joe Biden is a stutterer, and and I'm not saying that in a joking way. I'm not certainly not going to in any way make fun of him for that. I mean, why so, would Bob, I do that? Just so just so you know, Bob, he will be 77 in November. He's 77. 76 years old. Okay, gotcha. He'll be 77 in November. So yeah. Well, I mean, Joe Biden has uh, spoke to stuttering groups. He's uh, spoke. There's a foundation called the Stuttering Foundation that uh, mm-hmm. Joe Biden has uh, has presented uh, you know advice to and helped out with and and delivered speeches for and so on. And I, I had no idea. Uh, and that sort of explains some things. Although I never really noticed. Um, certainly not during the eight years in which he was vice president, where he. He appeared uh, in debates, and and he debated. Uh, I mean, who did he, who, he debated? Sarah Palin in uh, mm-hmm, two thousand eight. That was great. Yeah, yeah, and he's delivered uh, convention speeches and so on. He has been able to conquer his stutter, I think, in a way that's almost imperceptible now. But I think we're yeah, starting I, to. I, s- I never knew. Yeah, I, I yeah. think. I think though his age at this point, which is separate from the stuttering is kind of catching up with him a little bit. I, I kind of felt like he was just like this close to falling off the rails in a couple of occasions where he kind of felt like he was losing his train of thought and he mm-hmm. would get toward the end of his time limit and he would just kind of give up uh, mm-hmm. what he was saying. Just like, uh, well, I mean, he's talking about healthcare at one point. Uh, well, okay, uh, that's enough, I guess. Uh, I'm just done. 
Well, just so yeah. you know, Bernie Sanders is 77. Joe is 76. So, ah, so Bernie um, is older. They're the same age, basically. But Bernie's yeah. only older by a few months. But they're the same age, basically. And then Elizabeth, I think, is in her late 60s, 69, 70, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Well, here was uh, Joe Biden's closing remarks. And I'll, I'll set this up by saying I was just in the process of tweeting about, I don't know, about 10 seconds into his closing remarks. Um, Boy, Joe's opening remarks and his closing remarks have been really strong. And uh, and then he got to the end of his closing remarks. Uh, Let's play. I'm going to play his entire closing remarks speech, that entire section of the debate. So you get a, a, a taste of what I'm talking about here, because he was strong in the prepared portions of the debate. The problem was. When he was getting attacked, and Kimberly Johnson had a great way of describing it last night. She said, it feels like Joe was like the dad and all of his kids were kicking him. And that's got, and it got to the point where at one stage in the debate, I felt really bad for him. I mean, I felt like this sense of empathy, like... Oh, just just lay off. It was just like this pile on. And close I, your eyes and think of Anita Hill. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not a again. I'm not a gigantic Joe Biden fan, and everyone who listens to this show knows that. the The problem was, though, I think it got almost like at one point it felt like Cory Booker was just being mean spirited. And again, I like Cory Booker, um, but it just it was. A little bit too much. I think they went a little bit too far. I understand the idea of trying to take the front runner down a few notches, but it was a, at one point it just got to be a bit much. Here's, here's Joe Biden's best moment leading into maybe his worst moment. Vice President Biden. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, Mr. Mayor, for Detroit hosting this. Look, uh, I've said it many times, and I think everyone agrees with this. We're in a battle for the soul of America. Yep, good point. It's the most consequential election Mm -hmm. any one of you, no matter how old or young you are, has ever, ever participated in. Four more years of Donald Trump will go down as an aberration. Hard to overcome the damage he's done, but we can overcome it. Eight more years of Donald Trump will change America in a fundamental way. The America we know will no longer exist. Everybody knows who Donald Trump is. Mm. We have to let him know who we are. We choose science over fiction. We choose hope over fear. We choose unity over division. And we choose, we choose the idea that we can, as Americans, when we act together, do anything. This is the United States of America. When we've acted together, we have never, never, never been unable to overcome whatever the problem was. If you agree with me, Go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. Candidates, thank you so much. Is he anticipating a third term? Like, yeah, I know. He said eight more Donald years. Trump. That's like, no, it would be four more, not eight more years. And yeah, he's, yeah. that's another he bad thing that he there said. For yeah. a second. You know, we stand for unity. We stand for hope. But yeah. Yeah, uh, that the, was a great speech for a former vice president to make at some kind of event somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. not on a debate. Yeah, it's just. But like, I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, this is the the gigantic uh, elephant in the room. This is the huge caveat about Joe Biden. I, I think, and I said this on Tuesday, and in fact, I, I think I repeated it on the Stephanie Miller show on Wednesday morning. I, I think, at on some level, in the backs of our minds, we need to start making peace with the idea that Joe Biden might actually be the nominee, because his, mm-hmm. his poll numbers are still. Really, really strong. I mean, he's what? Uh, he's got double the numbers of the next nearest contender, and then all of the head-to-head numbers. And I'm going to say, I, I hate to go down this road almost, and I hesitate to bring up poll numbers and so on, but... I think once we get past Labor Day, probably that's about the time when we really need to start paying attention to the poll numbers. And uh, as always, the caveat has got to be to take them with a grain of salt because, well, we all know uh, after 2016, sometimes the polls, well, they can be wrong um, or they Mm -hmm. can be uh, maybe not intentionally wrong, maybe not actually wrong but in terms of relating to the actual outcome which is influenced by russia and influenced by copycats now and uh, voter id and all the rest of it you know the poll numbers well but i mean just as a general sense of who's leading whom 
uh, it's it's important to keep an eye on them. And we're only talking about a few months away from Iowa. What is Iowa? Beginning of February, and then uh, it's going to be Kamala. You think it is really? I really do. Hmm. I just have this gut thing. I had this. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. What do you um, What do you think, Jody? It's interesting to know who you think might end up uh, emerging on top. Just Just for fun here, we're just we're just, just for fun. We're just playing. In the, in the preview, when they said we got Senator Harris on the phone, I was like, ooh. Oh, oh, not that Senator not Harris. Not that Senator Harris. What do you say, You know who impressed me last night was Julian Castro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? He impressed me back in the first debate on MSNBC. He and he's, he's, I think there could, if he can make it into the next debates, which I'm not sure he's made the cut yet, I think he might come out ahead. Um, uh, he's young. He's very smart. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I don't know. He could be this weird outlier that could come up and, and get Harris voters and, and other people because he is young and he's and he doesn't have the baggage that Kamala has, even though I don't think she has it. But right. Right. You know, how dare she do her job as the AG of my state? But um, I, I love Harris. And, and trust me, um, right now it's between her and Warren. Mm-hmm. For my primary vote, yeah, yeah, I can totally see Kamala getting the the nomination, and then her VP pick is going to be extra super important. Yeah, and you know it's so hard to call. It really is mm-hmm. because while is. there are a lot of people who do not belong out there and who should probably right. step down in the not too distant future, the group of front runners are almost irresistible. Every single one of them have mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. quality that makes them. Well, boy, that's. I mean, Joe Biden's got really strong numbers. Uh, with mm-hmm. the with Democratic Party activists, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who happens to be my favorite, is still really strong on policy and sticking it to Donald Trump and and sticking with her story, sticking with her message. Uh, Kamala Harris is really great at being a prosecutor, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about a prosecutor in the small p sense, where she's right. you know, right. she's pro- she takes the issues from and approaches not only her opponents but Donald Trump in a very prosecutorial way for obvious reasons. And I think that's also effective. I think Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, as I was saying before, they See, have such a, guys, an ama- I feel like. Well, I was just going to say, they, they have just an amazing command of the mm-hmm. issue and a way of talking about them where you almost feel like you can take a deep breath and say, okay, yeah, yeah, they've got it. They've got it. I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about them stumbling or saying the wrong words or you know, mixing up issues or not articulating uh, the issues in a way that are salient. You know what I mean? Where I, mm-hmm. I we, we see these things and we, we steep ourselves in the issues all day, every day on social media. We know the ins and outs of, of the most effective ways to talk about things like healthcare and immigration and equality and so on. And they have this ability, those two candidates in particular, and Elizabeth Warren, I would say, is right up there, too. They have a way of talking about those issues that are, that's undeniable, and it is strong and solid. And I said, I think they have a lot going for them uh, too. And I think Pete Buttigieg one day will be president. I think Julian Castro one day could very easily be president. Maybe not that's this what time I was around. Say a second but, ago, both those guys have VP stamped all over them to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. There's they that. both would look good in a Robin costume. Well, also, <laughs> uh, they do. They would. The yeah. little mask and everything. Well, what I think is what we also have on that stage with ninety percent of the people on that stage is a hell of a cabinet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? That's let's. That's actually a good segue into Marianne Williamson because one of the things that I objected to uh, in terms of what she said on Tuesday night was this uh, somehow demonizing the idea of being wonks. I think yeah. that is dangerous, especially on the mm. Democratic side. Mm. I mean, we need to embrace the idea that we know a thing or two in detail about the issues as opposed to the clown dictator in the White House right now who doesn't have any fucking clue as to what's going on. So to say, oh, completely yeah. completely on how he feels about things. Right, right. And so, you know, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know who advised her to go down that road in her room. Maybe she just yanked it out of her ass like everything else. But I don't know why we suddenly have to say, oh, those stupid Democrats being wonky. Why are they being so wonky? No, 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 no. That's uh, that's one of our advantages. Absolutely. But I mean, in terms of the 
uh, other things she was saying, yeah, I guess if you take them out and you put them into the context of a TED Talk or a self-help book or something like that, the crunchy stuff maybe works in, in those formats. I don't know because as soon as she starts talking, all I can think of is, wow, Vladimir Putin's got to love her. Wow, Vladimir Putin is getting ready to push her into the uh, social media debate in a way that's going to manifest chaos. I mean, I don't know. Whenever she starts talking, I hear that same sound I hear when I hold a seashell up to my ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's definitely that. Um, but what was freaking me out were all of these otherwise smart people on Twitter going, oh, how about Marianne Williamson just there? What a great performance. She won that debate. And I go, oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, we can't be doing that. Because you know what happens when we start to take people like that seriously as presidential contenders and not as someone who, you know, whose self-help podcast we might download? Uh, you know, it's just like, when the grassroots support starts to build up, that's when people like Vladimir Putin and the GRU start to take a hard look and they go, you know, maybe that person would be a great way to stir shit up, a great way to manifest chaos in the United States. How about mm -hmm. a presidential race between Donald Trump and Marianne Williamson? How'd that work out? And before we even get there, how about we boost her poll numbers by injecting social media agitprop into the conversation to support her? And then people start going, taking her seriously. And then we're confronted with Williamson bros and the Democratic whole, the whole Democratic primary process disintegrates into absolute madness because. Okay, okay two things. Yeah. Okay. One, Twitter is not the real world. It, it is kind of a thing, but I know I, I understand. It's declining. Yeah. Um, but. The number one voter of the black, of the Democratic Party is black women, and let me tell you, black women are not going to just are not going to buy the Marianne Williamson thing. They know yeah. that. I mean, just I just don't see that going over with the nuts and bolts voters or the people who get out and register and get people walk into you know like blocks to get people registered to go to the polls. They're not going to. Yeah. I mean, Marianne Williamson is it will flame out at some point. I hope um, you're right. I really hope. And if hope the black right. women don't get her, the gays will get her. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just like calm down it's just like you know because that's just it's not gonna fly and yeah. um that particular cloud of luminous swamp gas that she is will dissipate well i i had a uh, a longer run to do about marianne williamson and i wrote it up as a uh, a piece for the banter newsletter and then it's also in audio form in buzz burbank's news and comment today so if you want to hear my shouty version of my uh, marianne williamson rant <laughs> Go download Buzz Burbank News and Comment for today, buzzburbank.com, realmnetwork.com, everywhere you get your podcasts, and, and listen to it there because that's a more um, uh, complete take in terms of how I feel about the concept of Marianne Williamson being a candidate. And you know, in, in that respect, also, Andrew Yang, I would throw into the same category. No more billionaire CEO dilettantes running for president. Thank you very much. I can't believe anyone mm -hmm. would possibly give this guy any sort of consideration, irrespective of the fact that he's promising everyone, what, $1,000 a month for life or something? It's just I don't know. Andrew Yang, I, why can't these billionaires just go climb Mount Everest and die a bit? <laughs> You know, like, I mean... See, this is why you got banned from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> We're going to talk I about that in a few id. minutes. I'm right? just an yeah. id with feet. <laughs> that's why we love you, though, T-Rex. That's and a tiny, that's tiny four limbs. Tiny four limbs, exactly right. Uh, well, look, we're just in the process right now of trying to uh, get to a point where we can at least start to clean up the mess from the previous CEO dilettante who decided to run for president. And, I, I, you know, I just thought we were past this. I thought we were past the idea of, oh, let's get a businessman in there to run government like a business, even though we know that government is nothing like a fucking business. But uh, no, no. How about a candidate who's actually won an election before? How about a candidate yeah. who has the gravitas and has the, the chops, has the know-how to be able to govern 320 million people while at the same time being the commander-in-chief of the largest uh, nuclear arsenal in the history of the world? How about someone That's who has... always you know, said about Jill Stein. She needs to run for city council before right. she runs for freaking president. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And, you know, some of the candidates out there uh, who I haven't mentioned by name specifically yet, but I mean, look. 
everyone has their own place where they are most effective. I think a lot of the candidates would be most effective sticking around in the House of Representatives, sticking around in the United States Senate, sticking around in state governments and so on. Uh, Bill de Blasio can go and I don't know what when his term ends in New York, but stay as mayor be mayor of new york i don't care you're 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 just not presidential material uh, unless you really have it together like pete Buttigieg has it together uh you're not going to make that leap from mayor to president in fact that's one of the, one of the main problems that uh, i think pete Buttigieg is going to face like oh yeah, this guy's really he's great, pretty but, green i mean he's, yeah. he's at indianapolis is is one thing yeah but thousands of indianapolis <laughs> is Bend? Another thing entirely. Yeah. Well, I want to. I don't think he's Indianapolis as mayor. Um, isn't he Fort Bend? Isn't that? I just, yeah, movies? South Bend. I think he's South, South Bend. South Bend. Mayor. Yeah, he's South oh, Bend. Indiana. Yeah, it's not even as big a city as Indianapolis. But I mean, I mean, I mean South Bend is what a college town, and it, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not a terribly. And as much as I would like to see a gay president, we already I've had a couple by now. Yeah, <laughs> James Buchanan was absolutely our, our first. Maybe maybe not our first gay president. The first, obviously. Uh, gay president. I mean, if you read about well, James, you know, James here's Buchanan. a bit of history yeah. that really the whole categorization of gay versus straight, the binary that we currently mm-hmm. believe in, which isn't real. Right, right. Um, it's more, oh, you're you saying know, it's more it's of a really, spectrum, it's a, yeah. It's more of a 20th century, like post Freud. Um, really, like sexual orientation has throughout history been a lot more fluid and a lot mm-hmm. more, like, I mean, there just weren't like. Like we, like I said, we didn't. They didn't have this binary that we do. That yeah. everyone is absolutely gay or absolutely straight. It was, you know. So I mean, like Abe Lincoln married to a woman, like, but shared his bed with a man for many, many, many years. But like, was he gay? No, well, I don't. I mean, I don't know. No, I, it's just, I mean, it's like we, I mean, in the, you know, it's just it's we're putting our current frame of reference, which I also, like I said, is false on people from that didn't have it. Yeah. That didn't, they didn't live their lives by that, that particular set of product. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, we've got a spectrum where it's just not, it's not as cold and hard as it's sometimes made. Uh, certainly not in a uh, pop culture. That's for sure. Or politics <laughs> for that matter. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you all about um, private insurance, Medicare for all, and all of that fun stuff here in just a second after we uh, talk about bugger off bug repellent, which is now, I think bugger off bug repellent is now going to be advertised across the entire sexy liberal podcast network, which is just some fantastic news right there. Really glad to hear that bugger off bug bomb is taking off. But uh, if you're tired of bug bites, you've come to the right spot. Listen up here. Our balm was created to swear off all of the pesky mosquitoes that plague us every season, especially right now. Do not go on your summer vacation, your big August vacation, without picking up some bugger off bug repellent at buggeroffbomb.com. It's got a straightforward ingredient list, never anything toxic. It's easy to travel with and a little teeny tiny flat tin. It's almost like a, like Chris Lavoie's Banded Masculine candles, but in a flatter tin, but it's the same kind of tin. It's made specifically for everyone, fishermen, hikers, soccer moms, beachgoers, cruelty-free skincare enthusiasts. Are you a, are you a cruelty-free skincare enthusiast? I happen to be one. <laughs> Join me and become a cruelty-free skincare enthusiast. Uh, also, uh, it is uh, nasty chemical-free. It's DEET-free. It's kind to humans in the environment. Contains two key ingredients for fighting pesky bugs and other creepy crawlies. Eucalyptus and citronella is in there. Also contains non-GMO soybean oil, beeswax, thyme, rosemary, cedarwood, geranium, basil eucalyptus and citronella essential oils and holy hell it smells way better than any store-bought repellents with all their nasty chemicals bugger off smells clean and fresh and it won't stain your clothing plus no more mosquito bites another line of defense against any insect-borne diseases just 1095 at bugger off bomb Dot com. Again, 1095 buggeroffbomb.com, but use our promo code BOBC for 15% off your entire order. Support this show by supporting Bugger Off Bomb and stay bug free all damn summer. Again, that's Bugger Off Bomb, buggeroffbomb.com, or just click the link on the podcast page. Thank you so much. The Bob Seska Show. What? Okay. The Bob Seska Show. Yep. This is uh, Tim Mahoney. Music Wins is the name of the song. It's from his brand new Trucky Ride album. Just came out last month. Again, Tim Mahoney, link in the description. 
Yeah, make sure to submit your music to bobseska.com slash music. Also, we're about to get some uh, music from T-Rex, I think. That's what I'm hoping for. I've heard through the grapevine that T-Rex is finally going to send me some songs to play <laughs> on the show. Hint, 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 hint. You know what? I'm going to actually like, get my phone now and do that during the next commercial. Oh, okay, great. You, yeah, you'll have them by the end of the show. So maybe uh, you two goth ninjas can explain to me why we need to do a Thanos snap and eliminate private insurance while at the same time establishing Medicare for all. I don't understand why we can't do... Which I, my favorite plan is uh, Pete Buttigieg's plan, which is Medicare for all who want it. Let the Medicare for all option destroy the private health insurance marketplace. Let it do it on its own organically. And I think that's that's the best way to go, both policy wise and politically, because it's going to be a real pain in the ass to make that sale uh, to uh, to the folks, as they like to say, as Joe Biden likes to say, making the case to the folks that we're going to take away all of their health insurance uh, and it's going to be labeled as being taking away their health insurance again because of the false thing that went around about, you know, the Affordable Care Act. Where do you guys land on this? Jody, I mean, where is there a reason why we have to eliminate the private insurance marketplace at the exact same time or can it be phased out? What's the deal? Well, um, out of the 34 EOC countries, we're the only one that doesn't have some sort of nationalized healthcare system in place. Yeah. Uh, most of those countries that have single payer or, you know, like in England and Canada, Germany, France, all of them, they also have a private, if you want to say, get a private room in a hospital, you have to pay extra for that. Yeah. If you say, want to be pushed up in line for just a normal, you know, physical, if you have private, you know, extra stuff, you get better hours for the same doctor that you would see under the public plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a different doctor tier because every doctor would take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think because we do currently have this stupid system in place, we can't just eliminate it overnight. I agree with you completely. Mm -hmm. um, but with a public option that is basically single payer Medicare for all being offered to everybody just by being alive. Yeah. Yeah. Then we can decide, Hey, I don't like to pay $732 and 50 cents a month for my private health care insurance. I would rather pay $50 a month or whatever it is mm -hmm. to buy into Medicare. And my doctor takes Medicare already. I'm sure she would take new patients with that too. You know what I mean? It's, right. I have a feeling that most people, especially people like me that are older and paying these super high premiums because of our age and because of, you know, certain things wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Um, most of us, people probably 45 and older would move almost immediately to a single payer, Medicare for all system because yeah. it's already in place. It's just open it up for everybody that exists. And if yeah. they want to phase it over time, you know, it's so, okay. Next year it's for people 55 and over. And then the following year it's for people 45 and over and just phase it in mm -hmm. over time. So that by the time you're, you know, 10 years down the road, everybody can buy into it. And the younger you are, you know, it, it'll phase in the pricing schedule. And then at 65, you're back on normal Medicare where you've been on it for years at that point. I just, I think we can do it because yeah. the system is there. It's in place. And again, with people like me paying 700 and some change a month, if if my taxes went up one or two percent, mm -hmm. that's cheaper than the, you know, over six thousand dollars a year I'm paying in premiums, not to mention co-pays, yeah. not to mention prescription drugs, not to mention deductibles. So these things, you save money even though my taxes would go up. Right, right. In fact, that's Elizabeth Warren's argument too. And But mm -hmm. where I'm falling off the train, the uh, the Liz train, as so to speak, is this concept that we have to eliminate the private insurance marketplace as we're doing this other thing, which just seems to me as if it's going to be completely counterproductive. I think obviously anyone who went through the entire process in, in 2009 and into early 2010 with the Affordable Care Act all knows, and granted, we are nine years down the road since then, but right. at the same time, I feel like that was a pretty solid lesson in, wow, we can't even get a public option into the Affordable right. Care Act. How the hell are we possibly going to get a Medicare for all bill through Congress, even with an entirely Democratic Congress? How are we going to push that through uh, while at the same time doing a, a Thanos snap and saying bye bye to all of your private health insurance? It just seems like well, it would I mean, undermine the, the effort. Industry 
is so so evil. It is. It, is. I mean, it, it absolutely Elizabeth is. Warren believes in protecting the consumer first and foremost. Yeah, and I can I completely understand where she's coming from on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think personally, the insurance industry knows that the minute there's a cheap public option. All their customers will flee. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and also the other thing that could be regulated back would be hi, insurance companies, private. If you want to be in the industry, not for profit anymore. Precisely. I mean, I'm enrolled in a health insurance company that is nonprofit, and it's a major, major one. It happens to be in a lot of states, and so you can enroll in a. "Quote unquote private health insurance policy that is a nonprofit policy. So those do in fact exist. It's just not everyone is right. signed up for. There are a lot of for-profit mm-hmm. health insurance companies. It just seems to me as if it's ghoulish. I'm going to go ahead and I'll tell you the story. Remember, like a month ago, guys, when I thought I had a spider bite or something on my leg because right. I had this giant bullseye oh, yeah, that extended yeah. from my kneecap to my ankle. Oh my god! Well, horrifying. Yeah, it uh, you know has turned out to be like I was cleaning out of storage space and I think I must have gotten a scrape or something and it is a multi-drug resistant case of either dermatitis or cellulitis. It's a skin infection. Mm, fun. I've <laughs> only been able to get treatment by going to the ER. Yeah. Because I, wow. I can't, I don't have the money to go to a walk-in clinic. I don't have any health insurance. So and I've you know been to the ER like three times now mm-hmm. um, and that's thousands of dollars of debt that I have accrued. Yep. Um, and, you're, and you still have debt just, from your heart attack, too, right? Yes. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, and so, like, yeah. And and then the one of the two antibiotics they'd given me this time was, like, $116. Wow. Uh, oh, my it's God. It's just, like... Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I it's, mean, I'm kind of not sure how I'm going to pay my rent this month. It's definitely going to be late, because it's just been, like, this series of... And it's all just because I scraped something on my shin. And yeah. well, and this feeds into also the whole antibiotic-resistant drug. I mean, antibiotic, antibiotic-resistant bacteria thing that's going to be an increasing problem in the humanity. Yeah, well, you know, something like uh, Medicare for All, a public option, whatever you want to call it, uh, it would be perfect for you. Uh, if mm-hmm. would be a, because we're talking about a, a relatively inexpensive policy, uh, especially if you use Medicare as the model for that. Because as we all know, the overhead for running Medicare is much, much less than the overhead for a private health insurance option. So, you know, I believe it's three percent versus twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean full time now. The Affordable Care Act did start to shrink that uh, mm-hmm. that profit margin, where you know the overhead margin, where it's only allowing, I think, as it fades in a maximum of 10% overhead per dollar. So it's like 10, cent, 10 cents on every dollar that you pay in insurance premiums. 10 cents goes to the overhead, but no more than that. All the rest of it, 90%, so somewhere in that range, 90% goes to your actual health care. 10% mm-hmm. goes to the overhead of actually doing all the paperwork and paying people and, and CEO salaries and all the rest of it. So, uh, but when you look at a, a, an option like Medicare, as as Jody just said, it's three percent is the amount of the overhead because we're talking about the biggest nonprofit business in the United States, which is the United States government, and so you don't have that same uh, level of overhead. So everything's going to be cheaper in that setting, and I just I feel as if the competition from that option is going to drive all kinds of new customers to mm-hmm. the Medicare for all insurance policy and put start to put some of the private insurers out of business well look at the post office versus fedex yeah (laughs) exactly right now the post office has been enjoying a renaissance with amazon and so on uh, but at the same time, well, and Congress did try to kill it because of the stupid pre-funding seventy years in advance their pension. Yeah, I've yeah. got to stick up for the post office. I'm all for the post office. Oh, me I too. use mail. I I am a big. Po- I have used obviously other companies, and Amazon does use UPS, but UPS uses the post office. So yeah. it's this whole thing that, like the post office, it costs me forty nine cents to mail a letter. It's amazing. That's thing. so cheap, yeah. and it goes and it all over the country. Gets there. Yeah, within a few days. I mean, I can send a letter today, and and it'll get to New York by Saturday. It's kind of an amazing thing when you really think about it. You could for forty nine cents. Amazing, but the reason Congress hates it is because there are so many black people working there. Oh <laughs> yeah, probably That's one reason. Yeah, no, definitely. it's for real. Oh, you think um, so? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely yeah, absolutely, hmm. positively, one hundred percent. Okay, gross. Uh, 
Yeah. But also just because Not you know, they want to shatter it and like hand everything over to private carriers. Yeah. Also yeah. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, so last night during this debate, it was like, uh, let's find a new and different ways to make the Affordable Care Act look like a hunk of shit. And that drives me up a fucking wall. Because not only do people misunderstand what the Affordable Care Act is, they think it's a mm-hmm. policy. They think it's a right. they think Obamacare is an insurance policy. And we have to admit the fact that most people in the United States, including everyone on the debate stage, depending on whether or not they're in Congress, uh, don't even bother with the Affordable Care Act. Most people in America, save for about 20 to 30 million of us, have nothing to do with the Affordable Care Act. So they're most likely... We've got a gigantic population of Americans who have no idea what's in it. They're calling for it to be repealed, even though they have no sense of what's in there. They don't know that it's not like a... I think a lot of people think it's some sort of public option. Like, I don't just go, oh, yeah, go get your free health insurance and suck off the government teat or whatever they say. And it's not that. It's not that at all. In fact, most of the Affordable Care Act is a series of consumer protections. We talked about this with Jackie Schechner on the show yesterday, if you want a more detailed analysis of it. But I mean, it's just like, my God, the consumer protections in the Affordable Care Act alone, you know, you could actually eliminate the exchanges, you can eliminate the mandate, which has already been killed, uh, and you would still have all of these consumer protections, including the the closure of the donut hole for Medicare Part D, Mm -hmm. which is saving, not only saving lives, saving countless millions of dollars among senior citizens who before the Affordable Care Act faced this period of time in their Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage where the the coverage wasn't covering their medications for like two or three months out of the year. So they'd have to pay for their medications out of pocket or just go without which is always a smart thing if you're 75 years old and you've got a you know a, a dozen items on your uh, on your medication list. Uh, not a good thing to do mm. if you have to. I mean, you're basically in the situation that you're in, T Rex, where you can't you can't afford your meds. At the same time, I um, was just talking to a friend who lives in Norway. She's back visiting her host family from when we met back in 1988 yeah. or 87, when she was an exchange student from Norway, and I was in. And she's just like, and I explained to her that I don't have any. I you know I had a heart attack. I lost my job. I lost my health coverage. And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah. it's just, I mean, yeah. she was just like, she, I mean, it really just was a complete, like, she just, it was baffling to her. Mm-hmm. She could not, she was like, you know, and she's like, and I explained to her that, you know, the, when open enrollment happened last year, the cheapest policy I qualified for was $480, which is almost as much as I pay for rent. Yeah. And she just was, I mean, she was literally speechless for a minute. She was just like, I, I, I don't understand that. I yeah. don't, why do people, why are people letting that happen? Well, the, see, there's a good, interesting contrast right there because what happens in Norway is you, you're not, uh, you know, paying a 10% uh, uh, marginal tax rate in Norway. You're paying a much higher tax rate. So you're getting that free healthcare through the government. And so there is, in a, in a kind of a backdoor way, you are paying premiums in these countries. It's just not... It's not the way we pay premiums in this country. And certainly if you're not paying your taxes, you can still go into a hospital in Norway or England for that matter and get health care. In fact, I know people who are American citizens who injured themselves in England and Mm -hmm. received free medical care in the British system which I think is a, a hallmark, a, a bragging point for, for that particular system. I know some people that, that um, were injured in England and, and they had to pay like $20 just because they weren't a resident. Oh, I see. So it's For, you know, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work. I'm sorry, it's going to cost you a thousand pounds. Really? I've been in the hospital for a month. It's a thousand pounds. I'm very sorry. You know, it's like, <coughs> I'm good. I didn't have to sell my house. What you know, a, <laughs> that's, uh, it just seems made up. It's, it's amazing that, that that actually functions. Of course, you know, in, in the process of debating the Affordable Care Act back in, in But I mean, really, healthcare for everybody would be a, Fingernail clipping off the defense budget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, really. And the companies. The government's got the money. And large companies wouldn't have to supply that as a benefit. So yep. they save money. That's right. And the, the, the union workers that would be terrified of losing their usually very good insurance. Mm-hmm. 
then they can go, well, then just raise my pay, whatever the premiums were that you were paying out for this private insurance that is amazing. Yep. Why don't you give me that in salary? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. There are all kinds of advantages to this, and we do have an infrastructure upon which to build Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. That's And that's Absolutely. the Affordable Care Act. And I think that's one of the things that everyone was missing last night, because everyone's got to beat their opponents over the head with their own plans and, and say that the other person's plan sucks, even though most of the plans that were proposed last night in, uh, during the debate were kind of the same. They're all generally uh-huh. in the same ballpark. They're just details that are missing. And I think if we're moving forward in these debates, we got to stop... And I'm, not, I'm talking about specifically the candidates. We can say whatever we want on Twitter. Yeah. We're the observers. We're the voters. We can say what we want. But the fact is that the candidates themselves need to stop bludgeoning each other, uh, especially knowing that their plans are so similar on health care. But I mean, speaking yes. of that, you I know, know, this is all well and good, but you're killing me. I've got to hear the Gorka calls. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> we're going to take, take a break in a second. I wanted to add, and we're going to come back with the Gorka thing, but I wanted to oh, add God. that I think, I think uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are putting together some sort of... Uh, uh, backroom deal. I think they've cut some sort of non-aggression peace pact between the two of them. And uh, this is uh, actually, there's a piece in Mediaite about that today. Bernie Sanders. Don't tell the Bernie bros. Well, he said, you know, they, they asked him on uh, CBS this morning. They said, uh, you appear to have kind of a non-aggression pact with Elizabeth Warren. By the way, I didn't know that they said a non-aggression pact. I just pulled that out mm-hmm. of my ass and it's here in the article too. Uh, do you have a deal? This is asking Bernie. Do you two have a deal Uh, not to attack each other, at least at this point. And Bernie Sanders said, Elizabeth and I have been friends for over 20 years. She's running her campaign and I'm running my campaign. They're different campaigns. You talk about those issues, you do well. If you try to beat up on someone else, frankly, that's not good politics, he said. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm not talking about in a bad way necessarily. I think if this is a concept that can spread out to some of the other campaigns, I think we might be on a little more solid turf when it comes to just not beating each other to death <laughs> during these debates right. like we're going on last night where, where the beatings actually started to involve Barack Obama and the Affordable Care Act. We're going, stop, you people. Don't do this. Why are you doing this? Don't do this. Um, okay. We're gonna- <laughs> Why are you doing this? You stop now. <laughs> Speaking of uh, accents and prank calls, we got Sebastian Gorka prank calls, which are the most beautiful things of the day. Uh, we're going to play those right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. band called I Hate You Just Kidding. That is the name. Oh, brilliant. I love it. I love it so much. I Hate You Just Kidding is the name of the band. Uh, Constellations is the song. The album is called Constellations. I just love this. I was was thinking about during the break, I was going to come back and do my uh, Michael Bennett impression, which I was 
admittedly cracking myself up with last night during the debate. Every time Michael Bennett started talking, I missed half of what he said because I was busy going, Yeah, I'm Michael Bennett. Uh, I have some things to say in particular. Um, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Problem is, I can only... I can only fit half a stick of gum into my teeny tiny mouth. Otherwise, a whole piece of gum doesn't quite fit in there. But, you know. Why do you sound like Kermit the Frog? <laughs> it is a little bit Kermity. I was, I was, I just kept waiting for him to say a whole lot of lumps. I, I think a little bit like that. Uh, but, yeah, Michael Bennett last night was... Uh, He's a great guy. He's a great politician, interesting uh, character. He delivered a hell of a fucking anti-Trump speech on the floor of the Senate, which I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has a funny voice. And of course, I, I like to do funny voices. And he's got a funny one. So, all right. Where's my Sebastian Gorka music? There it is. Um, <coughs> remember, we had a, a prank call a couple of weeks ago. Where I, I guess the same guys are calling into Gorka's radio show all the time, and it is fucking hysterical. Did, did maybe I played it on this show? I don't remember if I did or not. But here's here's the first prank call. We played this before, but I, just to recap, here's the here's the first of the Sebastian Gorka prank calls. Six seven five two. Best part of the show is you, Jason, Idaho, line three. Hey, Mr. Gorka, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm excited. Love your love your voice on the radio. It's the radio was meant for you, sir. That's very kind. You got, you, you got some pipes yourself. Oh, that's nice. Nothing compared to you, though. I feel like if you're having a debate with some liberal, you could just start talking and they'd start shaking in their boots. Yeah, they usually end up as little puddles on the floor. But thanks for calling, Jason. Well, share. You've got sixty seconds. Share your wisdom. Well, I, I, my favorite magazine just did a little uh, feature on you saying you were the top uh, journalist of this year, and I was really excited, and I wasn't sure if you were aware of that yet. <laughs> no. What, what is this that you are talking of? Uh, it's called uh, Dipshit Magazine. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. Ah, this is the definition of a coward. What's the day? De- now, okay. What's the story with his goddamn? He's got a, he's got like a non-committal accent, sort of like Marianne Williamson has a non-committal mm-hmm. accent. What is the story with this guy? Where is he from? Why does he talk like that? Is he legitimately from England, or is he from the United States? And this is just an affectation. What's the story with him? Uh, Hungarian parents raised in Britain, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Like, so the accent there's is... A, but there's a whole like species of British people who are like, can't be taken seriously there, but they, so they come to America and they get taken seriously here because they sound super posh. Uh, that would include Milo, Yenapadapadapalakalak. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, what's his face? Andrew Sullivan, you know. Well, I, I kind of thought I, the, the the guy that your hair, my hair, any the infomercial guy. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't, I, know. I don't think so. Are we sure that's not Sebastian Gorka? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. All right, let's hear a new call. Okay, yeah, this is the <laughs> this is the new prank call. These are actually two calls, two back to back. So we got one prank call uh, successful, and then uh, Gorka goes to take another call, a second prank call. Also successful. Mm. Fucking brilliant. Here we go. Let's go to New York. Let's go to line three. <laughs> Mike in New York. Welcome to New America York. First. Oh, hello, uh, Mr. Gorka. Is this me? Is this me? Uh, well, whether or not it's you is a kind of philosophical question, but if you're Mike in New York, <laughs> then yes, you are live, Mike. That was my one shot. Oh, it's so great to talk to you. Uh, Mr. Gorka, I used to live in Rosemont, West Baltimore, and I find it very strange that nobody's asking a certain question about all this. What's the uh, question? Well, do you have to buy special shirts to fit your head through your neck hole? Uh, in Baltimore, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. All right, let's pause on that for a second. Do you have to buy a special shirt so you can fit your head through the neck hole? That is, you know what? I've done a lot of prank calls in my day. That is a fucking thing of beauty right there. A special shirt that you can fit your head through the neck hole. That is, He's got a giant head, though. He does. He has a, a giant great head. round head like an orange. <laughs> <laughs> Like an orange on a sack of potatoes. 
I'm oh, sorry, potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, well, I mean, I don't even know why he's even a thing. <sighs> because certain people will take a person with a British accent seriously no matter what kind yeah. of language mm-hmm. they're yeah. saying. Well, Very true. all right, we have more here. Let's get to the rest of this the prank call here. Call. Yeah. But that's a very strange oh. question. Let's go to Josh in Wyoming, line Josh. two. Hi, how are you, Seb? Very well. Welcome to America First. <laughs> Good, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm a little nervous to be on the air. Don't <laughs> be, don't be. Nobody's listening. Only about two million people, so you can relax. No, wrong. Oh, wrong. Oh, okay. Um, well, then I will just say Fire. that you are a balloon-headed motherfucker. It's <laughs> <laughs> really interesting how people are coming out of the woodwork today. A balloon-headed motherfucker. They actually went with the motherfucker part. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, Jesus. Yes, just what we need. Oh, <laughs> my God. Points. Yes, you know why? Because America needs to laugh. That's that's mm. fucking why. And if we're going to laugh at anyone, it should be Gorka. Yes, Sebastian <laughs> Gorka. Hey, everybody, look, I'm going to take Gorka's some rules. phone when calls right now. Appear far. <laughs> When you are losing, appear victorious. When you are obscure, appear everywhere. We will fight you on the land. We will fight you in the air. On the landing grounds, we'll fight you in the fields and in the streets. We'll fight in the hills. We'll never surrender. Sebastian Gorka. We're elevating Sebastian Gorka by comparing him to Winston Churchill. I just <laughs> don't mean to do that. You know, if if really, oh, if like the, the libertarian paradise of like you just, you know, money runs everything and every, mm. you know, whatever like become instituted and the laws were basically, I mean, he would be like somebody's hood ornament inside of an hour. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, right. it just, yeah. Uh, so he it gets his own. It amazes uh, me the pasty, doughy, like biscuit handed white boys that talk tough about being alpha males. Yeah. When, I mean, ugh. I would love nothing more than for every single hanger on, every person inside the Trump orbit to never be able to work again. In fact, I would prefer mm-hmm. that they all have to go into fucking hiding because that's what they deserve. Crawl into a cave somewhere and leave us the fuck alone they have squandered their opportunity to be national figures because they've taken that post and they have turned it into a fucking horror show from from top to bottom from start to finish this is a goddamn nightmare and i don't know why people continue to i mean there was a what a story today about Corey lewandowski i think lewandowski's got a new gig somewhere or you know what he's gonna actually i think oh, he'll he's, fuck it up he's gonna run <laughs> he's running for something is what he's doing what? He's, oh god yeah, he's, he's considering yeah. running for senate in new hampshire oh god that i agree with that they should be locked in a cave like you said but yeah. only if the caves are full of like starving like badgers or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. They and they co- all get uh, Sebastian Gorka is running, uh, you know, just on guard all night long. Like, okay, we're going to go to sleep and Sebastian, you make sure to guard us so those badgers don't kill us while we're sleeping. Okay, <laughs> I think I could do that. Where's, where's my uh, AR-15? Use my AR-15 that I usually normally hunt foxes with. Nice. I love to do the steeplechase. I do love the sound of the bugle in the dawn, the baying of the hounds. Jeeves, bring me a meat pie. (laughs) Sebastian Gorka is a meat pie. All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's a pastor. That's what we're going to call him from now on, Dr. Meat Pie. (laughs) Dr. Meat Pie. (laughs) There we go. I think uh, Dr. Meat Pie might be the name of the show today. (laughs) (laughs) I just got to write this down. Dr. Meat Pie. Dr. Meat Pie. Yeah, because if I don't write this shit down, I tend to forget it. Okay, so yeah, Dr. Meat Pie is the the name of today's show. Um, I'm going to have to prank call him. I mean, I will not tell you guys what I'm going to say. Oh, my God. Do it. You've got to do it. For the good of the show, you have to. For the good. (laughs) You know what? I would have to call in his voice and be, I 
just wanted to call and tell you how much I enjoy your exquisite speaking voice, sir. <laughs> you clearly have studied under masters of diction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is, is his show is called America First. Yeah. He couldn't right. sound and less like American Hungarian if he British. tried. Yeah, yeah I mean, come on. He's not American It was the same all. thing with, with Milo Yiannopoulos-Kapodinis. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he, like, you know, is this English twat. He came over here and is now, like, trying to dictate to us, like, what a good American is. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like... <sighs> oh, no. Oh, well. Soon enough, they'll be locked in a cave with a bunch of badgers. Hungry, <laughs> hungry badgers. Something to look forward to. All right. Uh, by the way, you know, there's another endless cocaine rally tonight. Oh, Donald God. Trump is, is doing a rally tonight in Ohio, I think it is. And uh, mm. in the high in Ohio. Yeah, see what happens if uh, his uh, red hats start chanting, send her back. And yeah. if they do, it's because uh, somebody that works for Trump started it. Yes, that's exactly right. It's not going to happen spontaneously, or maybe it no. will. I mean, we, we, we don't know. But what we what we also don't know is whether or not Donald Trump will stop it if it gets started, and I doubt he, he will, because you know he he's won't. the he's the least person uh, he's the least racist person he knows, which means <laughs> shit. All of his all of the people he knows are really racist. If he's the least of them, then they all you have know- to be horribly racist. By definition. It's a sign that someone's lying when they mangle their syntax like that. You know that, right? And he also put least racist in quotes. So he even knows that he's the most racist. Right, oh, right. Which, just a terrible way to defend yourself against racism. Hey, look, I'm the least racist. Well, that means you're still a little bit racist. <laughs> you know, it's, being less racist does not make you not racist. It just makes you right. less racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> Sexy Liberal Podcast Network can be found at sexyliberal.com. That's where you can hear Jody Hamilton's From the Bunker Podcast, Stephanie Miller's Happy Hour, Randy Rhodes' After Hour Show, Dino Badala's I Want to Be Your Muslim Friend Podcast, Sanity with John Fugelsang, The Final Word with Frangela, The Great Rude Pundit, Proud Resistor, and uh, and so much more. I'm missing a few new... Uh, Stephanie Miller, did you mention her happy hour? I, I try to never mention Stephanie Miller on the show, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> David Ferguson can be found at patreon.com slash the T-Rex report. Buzz Burbank's at buzzburbank.com. And uh, Kimberly Johnson is at patreon.com slash start me up. Okay, we got the uh, postmortem show coming up next on our Patreon page. That is bobseskashow.com. And by the way, uh, they're, do- they're charging everyone's accounts right now. So if you get a- an email that says, please update your card information, your account information, Please do that so we don't have all of the declines this time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. See you on the after party tomorrow, folks. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that podcast, I hope you'll check out my podcast. I want to be your Muslim friend with me, Dean Obidala, because I want to be your MBFF each week where I'm going to make you laugh while making you smarter right here on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network.